Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's start in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 in verse number 1. We'll begin with reading. But godliness with contentment is great gain, great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, Timothy, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Father, would you guide our, our time together tonight? And we do ask that... Um, in each of the classes this evening, that you just have your way, that your word would be preeminent um, as you are preeminent and you are to be preeminent in the church. So I pray that you would just be with each teacher, um, that even as they begin to speak, Lord, they would just uh, lean on you, rest on you for your enablement, um, but that your word would uh, just be the, the center, would be what we're hungry for. And Lord, we realize we live in a very, very crazy world. It, it seems like there's always a, another reminder of that. But your truth is, is not crazy. It is very settled. It is very certain. Um, it's reassuring. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be reassured by the principles of your word, that we'd be guided by your, um, your principles. And Lord, also that you'd help us to be ready uh, Bible teachers to be able to help others um, when they have questions about what's going on in culture. So we just ask for your, your help this evening. Would you be our teacher, and would you equip us for the work of the ministry, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, I want to deal with the subject of Bible principles and gambling. Years ago, um, probably 2005 or so, I was sitting in college chapel, and uh, I remember a preacher came along and preached a message on, um, on Christians and alcohol. And I thought, well, you know what? You're at a Baptist Bible college, and this seems to be a, a message that's just really out of place. It just seems like it's, it's unusual. Why are you preaching against alcohol in a Baptist um, Bible college? Well, years later, I realized that man had a lot of insight, and it would be an issue that even, even preachers would deal with and more so, and uh, fast forward to today, it's not so crazy anymore to, um, to have to preach about alcohol right within inside of the, the church and even Baptist churches. But nonetheless, 
the matter of, of gambling is something that's just kind of uh, front and center in our culture, and it's a growing thing, and it was brought to light very much uh, in the last, the last several weeks. Um, again, uh, referring back to the, the Super Bowl, uh, a record-breaking 115 million people watched the, the Super Bowl, but what was more interesting or uh, even a greater record um, break was the amount of gambling that happened centered around the Super Bowl. And it's interesting, e experts uh, estimate in an historic 67.8 million people gambled uh, $23.1 billion on the game's outcome. That's 44% higher than the previous record just set the previous year. So it was some, uh, some uh, $16 billion that was, uh, uh, was wagered um, by 50.4 million people in 2023. So it was quite an increase. They say that one in four or 26% of Americans um, participated in, in that gambling. It was an increase of 35% of people uh, stepping into, into gambling. So it's, it's not just there, it's, it's in many, many different places. In fact, I think I have a, a graph for you. Uh, the, the, the spread of sports betting across the nation is, is something that's uh, really increased quite dramatically. All the, uh, all the uh, darker teal is where it is legal. We, we live in a state where it is, is legal. Other ones, there's no legislation, the yellow and et cetera. But it, um, it's, it's something that's spreading. It's becoming a, a commonplace in our society. It isn't new to our, to our culture. It, it happened even back in the second century uh, in, uh, in the Chinese culture. It, it's not something new even in the, uh, in the Roman culture. We do see even some of it in, uh, in the Bible, but uh, it is something that is uh, taking grip of our culture. It is a, it's a reality. You are likely working with folks, um, but even as people come to Christ, this is a reality that is, that, that become, is a struggle um, that we need to uh, look at biblical principles about. I want to give uh, just a, a definition tonight, and this isn't original to me. I'm, I'm taking it from uh, a, a book that would help uh, deal with some of these uh, addictions. And uh, Gambling is a type of transaction between two parties in which something of value is transferred from one to the other solely on the basis of an uncertain outcome of some event or on mere chance. It's wagering money or possessions on chance events, um, dice rolls, for example, in hopes of gaining more money or possessions. Another, uh, another definition, uh, gambling takes place when so, uh, something of material value, typically money, is risked with the possibility of winning more, uh, more on an event with an uncertain outcome, whether betting on a sporting event, playing a card game such as poker, buying lottery tickets, spinning a roulette wheel. One thing is certain when it comes to gambling, the outcome is at least partly decided by chance. Uh, it's written by on Clinton and Scalise uh, book just uh, dealing, with, uh, dealing with addictions of different types. A case study, I'm going to share a couple stories before we jump into some Bible, um, Bible principles that I want us to think about and consider tonight. This case story is about uh, Susan. This will be the one, Susan told herself as she, uh, as she dragged her key across the lottery ticket to hope to see some winning numbers. She won $50. Susan was ecstatic and, and um, filled with a renewed sense of hope and anticipation. Maybe she could win more. Was this her lucky day? She must have been on a hot streak and she uh, couldn't, have, uh, couldn't give up now. Susan went back into the gas station, purchased five more 
Each, uh, five more tickets, each $20. Nothing good. Why couldn't she have just been happy with 50? Depressed and defeated, she walked back to her car. Tomorrow would be better, she told herself. And the cycle goes on. Stephen loved football season, and this was his best year yet for betting and winning. He bet on all the pro games, college football too. He even uh, had a few bets on local high school teams. He knew everyone involved, the handlers, the, the bookies, everyone. Sometimes he even found himself so stressed and tense waiting for the results that he couldn't even enjoy the game. What had, um, the sport, what had the sport become? It was like work to him, work that, was rapid, uh, that he was rapidly losing control over. You know, think about the, the betting. It's not just getting a lottery ticket. It, it, it spreads much, much more than that. And it's not just betting on, on a sports game. Uh, some other notes that I want to give us about, about this. It's interesting that there is, uh, in America, there is a, a great connect between uh, gambling and homelessness. A study of homeless individuals showed 23% uh, had problems with gambling. There's a strong connection between the problem of gambling and problem gambling and homelessness. 75% of college students have gambled in the last 12 months. In fact, uh, the greatest share of those that gamble in America are young adults. Uh, problem gambling is, is uh, more common among people that live at home. And some just different things to put on our minds tonight. So when it comes to the matter of gambling, oftentimes we, we hear about uh, you know, these types of things and we're like, does the Bible have anything to say about it? Well, first of all, you're not going to find a verse that says, thou shalt not gamble. Right? It's not going to be the 11th, uh, 11th commandment. So we're going to have to look and see whether the Bible has some principles that we can ask this question, do these principles um, allow me as a follower of Christ, as a Bible believer, to engage in that activity? In fact, across many areas of our Christian living, we're going to have to look at the scriptures in that way. God gives us many specifics, but he also gives us many principles that deal with these different subjects. So let's look at some principles that I believe that we should consider when it comes to the subject of gambling. If you have this choice tonight, uh, this is a matter of you taking these Bible principles and saying, can I honor these Bible principles and gamble? And if you're talking about somebody, can you honor these Bible principles and gamble? So let's look at these tonight, and I'd like for you also to be thinking about maybe some others that would come to mind. First of all, I want our attention to be drawn to the matter of loving our neighbor, or the principle, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4 and verse 8 that God is love. God is love. In his very essence, he is love. He doesn't, he, he doesn't uh, just have a part of him that's love. He is love. Uh, just like God is light in his very essence, who he is, it's part of his character, he is love. And this doesn't mean that God overlooks sin or tolerates sin or is light on sin. He is also light. He's also holy. And uh, the Bible says also in 1 John that he is light and in him it dwells no darkness at all. So there's nothing dark in him. There's nothing wrong in him. He is fully light. And when we are godly, when we're desiring to be like him, we need to walk in the light as well. But God calls us to walk in his love, to walk in his love, to be like him. Jesus told his disciples, a new commandment I give unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's how 
as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. Galatians tells us that we're not to use our Christian liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love we are to serve one another. Love gives, love serves, and God says that we're all going to be known by our love one for another. And so here's the question that I'd like to bring in relation to gambling. Uh, is, it, is it a demonstration of a, a person's love towards another person to, to benefit or to gain off of their loss or to gain off of their pain? And so you think about the gambling industry and even back to that case story of, of a Susan who's, who's looking to make, make an extra amount, looking to, to win big, looking to get ahead through a lottery ticket. And that person's spending and spending uh, their money, that very precious, their money to try to get ahead. Is it love for a Christian? Does it demonstrate love for a Christian to benefit or gain off of someone else's loss or hurt? Oftentimes, people use gambling as a pathway to escape their current circumstances, responsibilities, and pressures, much like those who turn to alcohol or other drug use to dull their pain. So a lot of times, people that are engaging in gambling are running from an amount of pain. They're, they're giving their, their hard-earned dollars. They're, they're the, the last of it, remember, who's the, who's the highest percentage of, of gamblers in America? It's, it's college age. We're not talking about people that are, that are loaded with money. They're going there and they're giving up what is very precious to them to try to get ahead. And it ends up losing out. So love is to govern everything that you and I do. And the Bible tells us that love worketh no ill to his neighbor, Romans 13 and verse number 10. Therefore, the love is a fulfilling of the law. So I think we need to ask this question, can I gamble and love my, my neighbor? Can I gamble and love my office mate? Can I gamble and love somebody else? Uh, and that's a, a principle that we ought to consider in this, this matter. What about the principle of work? From the beginning, God, God has given the principle of work. He has given man work to do. In the garden, do you remember that he gave Adam work to do? What was some of that work? Name the animals was one of it. Till the garden, keep the garden. So even before the fall, there was work. Now, so work is not a part of the fall. The hardness of work is a part of the fall. Uh, later on in Gen on Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 19, we find that, that God said, because of your sin, now you're going to have to work, you're going to have to provide bread by the sweat of your brow. So there's going to be a hardness to work, but God designed us to work for what we have. He designed us to, to labor for that. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse number 10, remember a pagan society, and Paul had to write to them in the second letter and say, listen, I'm hearing that there's some busybodies. I'm hearing some people that are, that are not putting their hand to the plow. They're not going to work. They're not doing the right thing. And he says here in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even, uh, even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So what was going on there in Thessalonica is there were some that were loafing and they were, they were not putting in the labor. And so um, Paul said, I told you when I was there, if you don't work, you should not eat. It's a principle of scripture that God expects us to work and um, therefore to have 
what we need to live by. For, he goes on, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So God, even in the New Testament, instructs us that we are to work. We are to labor for what we have and we are to uh, use our work to, to provide for our living. So here's a principle that I, I think we should consider in this matter, is we should work so that we can live and also give. Where do we get that second part? The Bible goes on to tell us in Ephesians 4 and verse number 28, let him that stole steal no more, but let, uh, rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which are good or is good that he may have to give to him that needs. So God says, you work so you have bread, but you also work, don't steal, work so you have something with which to give to those that have need. So we should work so that we can live and provide for our families and so that we can give to others in need. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 12 and verse number 11 that he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. There's a converse side of this, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Those that chase after fantasies, those that chase after empty persons, they, shall be on, they, are, they lack understanding. We live in a world with a great lack of understanding. So we should work, as Christians, we should work to live and to give. That's a, that's a principle that you can bear out across Scripture. Um, I've heard this before. Well, if I won the lottery, I could really give to the work of God. I could really make a difference. And uh, that's an interesting thought. But I find that a person that's not willing to give off of what God has given to them right now is not going to be willing to give off of what they might have later. So God expects us to give from our increase now. And, uh, and that's, how we ought to, that's how we ought to be. And so there's a principle we should consider in this matter of, of gambling. Um, are, does it violate, does, does gambling, uh, uh, you know, going through in that practice, does it violate this principle that God wants us to work for what we have so that we can live and that we can give? Number three, this principle, to trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord and not in luck. Trust in the Lord and not in luck. Now, gambling has inherently in it this matter of, of chance, and uh, we are, as believers, to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Think about Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So, uh, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. God connects there our trust in the Lord to our having provision. And verily, truly, you're going to be fed. You're going to be taken care of if you trust in the Lord. There's an Old Testament, um, Old Testament expression of what we learned on Sunday from Matthew chapter 6 and, and Luke chapter number 12. Verily thou shalt be fed. God will take care of you. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So we are to live lives of trusting in the Lord. We're not to be trusting in chance, but we are to trust in the Lord. Now, the chances of God failing, zero, right? Now, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 23, uh, thy, um, thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. The chances of winning the lottery, 
Very, very, uh, very, very uh, bad chances. The Powerball and Mega, Ball, uh, Mega Millions are respectively one in 292 million and one in 302 million is the chances. You have more chance of, uh, of being in a plane accident, plane crash, 11 million to one. Car accident, 107 to one. Now, yeah, it is safer to... Miss Shar, it's safer to be in a plane. It's safer to be in a plane, especially if your husband's flying it. <laughs> Falling out of bed, two million to one. Flesh-eating bacteria, one million to one. Lightning strike, one point two million to one. A dog mauling, one hundred and eighteen thousand and some to one. Snake bite, fifty million to one. Shark bite, three point seven five million to one. Uh, you think about the chances of winning the lottery. Yet people do this every single day. Spending, spending their money out on this. And we have this principle as believers to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord. Here's something that we should consider. Whenever we put our trust in something other than the Lord, that's true. We'll be led away from our relationship with the Lord. And the scary thing is we'll be led away subtly. It won't be right away. But even as we read in 1 Timothy, it's like a snare. Those that will be rich, they get snared. You know, a snare looks like everything's fine until you step on it. You know, if you really do a good snare, you cover it over with leaves. No one knows it, but suddenly it happens. And so... This matter of, of trusting in the Lord is not a small matter. We should trust in the Lord in our, in our finances and to have our wherewithal. Uh, trust in the Lord to provide the amount of money that we need in order to live life. Satan, one man said, Satan will more likely be successful in using financial temptation to draw you away from your commitment to the Lord. I've seen this over and over, is where, where someone will come to Christ, they'll be growing in the Lord, and, and Satan will bring in something to, to draw them away. It might be the job they always dreamed of. It might be a big opportunity. But Satan uses finances, uses the pool of finances and the pressure of finances to draw us away. But if we're trusting in the Lord, that makes a big difference. That if we're trusting in the Lord, we're safe. How I encourage us to trust in the Lord, even if gambling's not the issue, trusting in the Lord. First uh, Timothy 6 and verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Did you catch that? Nor trust in uncertain riches. They're like wings, they, they fly away. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. I mean, right there you have the, the two sides. God says, don't trust in uncertain riches, but do trust in the living God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. So as you come across people and you're, you're, you're communicating these things, this is a good principle to, to consider. We're to trust the Lord. We're not to trust in luck. Now do remember this. The lost man receiveth not the things of God. They're foolishness unto him. But for us as believers, we look at these principles and we realize, hmm, I need to trust the Lord. It, it seems um, pretty plain that I ought not um, put my trust in luck. 
but I should trust in the Lord. So love your neighbor as yourself. Work so you can live and give. Trust in the Lord and not in luck. But we should serve the master, not money. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one or love the other, or else be, uh, will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. What's that word mammon mean? Okay, men, money. The idea is wealth. The idea is wealth, um, an abundance of material or resources. Right? You can't serve both. You're going to serve one or the other. But isn't it interesting that Jesus told us that? Isn't it interesting that he put those two at, at, at odds with each other? Do you think that we'll still struggle with wanting to serve one or the other? Even as believers. Remember, he's talking to his disciples. In Luke chapter 12, when he brings us all down, he, he turns to his disciples. He has this man who's struggling about this inheritance. And he says, the reason you're having a fight with your brother over this is because you have covetousness. He gives a parable, but then he brings us down to his disciples and says, your disciples, listen, you can't serve two masters. You can't. And so we need to remember that, that Satan's going to constantly trying to divide our interests between God and mammon. We can't serve both. They that will be rich fall into temptation and snare, Paul told Timothy. Those that will be rich, they're striving after it. They're, they're wanting it. They're, they're like a, a dog trying to get out of the gate. We have a, a cage in our garage and with a Mitzi, our, our boxer, Rot, Great Dane, Rottweiler, whatever that thing is, um, but you know, when, when part of that, uh, its door isn't, it isn't shut, it, it knows that the door's partially open. It'll try to get, it'll try to get out, you know, stick its neck out, and it'll have its neck out the, the, the cage. You, you get the picture of this dog that's just, it, it needs to get out. That's the picture that sometimes uh, we, can, we can think of people striving after money. I just got to get it. I'm going to do anything, even if it hurts myself to get it. I'm going to do anything to get after that. I'll work how many ever hours. I'll, 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 I'll give up time with my family. I'll, I'll do whatever I need to get after that. I'll pay that 20 bucks for that lotto ticket. I'll do whatever I need to get after that. It says, those that will be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and in many foolish and hurtful lusts. God's not, God is not unclear about these things. It's very clear that it causes problems when our heart is just geared that way when we're serving money and not God. So when we serve rat, uh, wealth, it does physically enslave us. I thought that this was interesting, and uh, Levi, uh, continuing from that book I referred to earlier, gambling has been found to have a drug-like effect on the brain very similar to that of cocaine or morphine impacting the prefrontal cortex as well as the blood flow to the brain. Dopamine, the pleasure-inducing neurotransmitter in the brain, has been found to have a direct link to gambling. After a gambler wins, dopamine floods the brain and the levels drop during a losing cycle. This creates in the individual greater desire to gamble and to find gambling opportunities, much like a drug addict experienced withdrawal symptoms and needing the next hit uh, to maintain the high. Slot machines can often be the most addictive to a gambler because there's a surprise payout that stimulates the dopamine neurons more than somewhat expected when at a game of skill. And so uh, we realize that, that 
when we serve money, when we pursue after it, there is literally an enslavement that can happen, especially in this matter of, uh, of gambling. So when we choose to serve money instead of Christ, it's not long until we become a slave, a slave to money. That's just not in the area of, of gambling. That's just when we choose to serve mammon, we will become a slave to it. And sadly, a stranger to Christ. Not that Christ gives up on us, but we become estranged, if you will. Now, there's always a way back. If we confess our sin, if we get rid of that idol in our lives, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it is a choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll not serve my job. I'll not serve money. I'll not serve promotion. I'll not serve fame. I'll not serve popularity. I'll not serve riches. But I will serve the Lord. And we are in a day where we're constantly being bombarded with many other masters to serve. And so we need to see this principle, especially in relation to gambling. So serve the master, not money. But what about number five, live by faith, not doubt. Um, we should not be content to live in the gray areas. Well, it's not, it's not, there's no Bible verse that says thou shalt not gamble. Um, live by faith, the Bible tells us. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is interesting that in the matter of gambling, that many say they, they struggle to ask for help. Many times because they, they, uh, they seek to hide it. But 44% um, said they were too embarrassed to ask for help. 25% said they did not seek help because they didn't think uh, they would stop gambling anyway. It's interesting that sin and that which seeks to destroy us often thrives in secrecy and shadows. But God is a God of light. And if there's no problem at all with gambling, then why is it something to be hidden? Why is it something to be hidden from a family member? Why is it something to be hidden from certain people? If it's good and good for everyone, why can it not be out in the light? So we live by faith. We live out in the light. We live by faith, not in doubtful areas. And God calls us to, uh, to live in this way. He says in Romans 14 and verse 23, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now there he's dealing with uh, different things be, uh, that would be related to Christian liberty. And, and if, if, if you are clear in your conscience uh, and you are, you're assured in your conscience about it, he says this, hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So God, God says, you and I need to live according to faith. Here's the question. Can I gamble in good faith? As a believer, can I gamble in, in full faith before God? Is it a doubtful thing? The Bible says in Philippians 1.10 that we're to approve things that are excellent and be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I remember coming to my pastor growing up and, uh, and I had a certain style of music that I listened to and I asked him about. And uh, I remember him taking me to this. I said, is it wrong? And he didn't straight out just tell me, yes, absolutely, it's wrong. He took me to this verse and he says, you need to prove things excellent. What's excellent for God? Is, is it a matter that's going to keep you from being sincere or genuine and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ? goes on in verse number 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Does gambling fill us with the fruits of righteousness? Is it something that, that aids our Christian living or does it detract or hurt it? 
so approves to judge or uh, to make a right judgment of something. So living by faith leads us away from doubtful living and it leads us into confident living in God. Confident in his person and his principles, his promises. It leads us to be able to say, you know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is right before God. This is the way that I ought to, to live in this way. God has given me convincement on that. So live by faith and not in doubt. Now here's another principle. Christ is always enough. The Bible teaches us that. Christ is always enough. Wealth will never be enough. Wealth will never be enough. We'll never have as much as we want. Now Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. So the, the principle here is, is Solomon, who was very, very rich. He didn't need the lottery. <laughs> but Solomon says, he that loves silver will never be satisfied with it. What does it tell us? Solomon's riches did not satisfy him. It's interesting that the suicide rate among problem gamblers is 15, per, um, 15 times higher than the general population. That's interesting. It doesn't bring satisfaction. Many of those that win the ladder, uh, lottery uh, end up in, uh, living in bankruptcy with destroyed, destroyed marriages and families, family relationships ruptured. It's a very sad statistic to follow those who have won the lottery and what that money does to them. It doesn't bring satisfaction. Philippians 3.8, Paul says, I, uh, for whom, uh, well, let me start at the beginning, yea, doubtless, and I count all things to, as lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That was Paul's perspective. I, I count all those things as complete loss, complete trash, rubbish. Christ is more. Christ is more. So we should live by this principle that, that Christ satisfies and riches do not. Anything other than Christ will leave us dissatisfied. Money is not what we need, but Jesus is. Getting rich is not what we need, but Jesus, Jesus is. And number seven, the last principle here, godliness with contentment is great gain. We already read this in our, in our verse of Scripture tonight. Do we see that? Godliness with contentment is great gain. What is, what is a person seeking uh, to gamble and seeking to win, uh, looking after great gain? But God says godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Gamblers don't gain, they lose. One study showed the problem gamblers estimate losing a median of $16,750 per year. In California, the average gambler calling the gambling hotline spent $46,000 per year on gambling in 2020. At-risk gamblers lose around $3,000 annually well, recreational gamblers lose about $500 annually. The reality is that, that they think they're chasing after great gain, but God says there's another way. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. It's expedient. It's the means to the end. So for the child of God, we should consider that. What am I, what am I, uh, what's my attitude towards wealth? Am I content? Am I striving after godliness? Am I striving to live right? You know that sinful living costs a lot? 
It costs us physically. In fact, even in this matter, uh, uh, gamblers, problem gamblers uh, end up costing the society, it's, it's, it's billions of dollars in America. Uh, the, the emotional cost, the cost to employers, it's billions, it's $8 billion in America. It is not, it is not a, a light thing. It's, it's, it has a huge impact on our, on our society. Pursuing Christ's likeness and contentment is the best way to truly gain. So there are some principles that um, I believe apply to this. And so I wonder what other principles you can think of. If you were talking to somebody and they're asking you, should I gamble? I'm talking about a believer. Now, let me say this. If someone asks you that question and they are not a believer, what should you focus on? Yeah. You should, you should seek to spend that, question, uh, spend that or pivot that on that conversation to the gospel and help them to know Jesus because you can't change them, but the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can set them on a right path. So their greatest need is not, not just quitting gambling. They're great. If they just quit gambling and spend an eternity in hell, what good is it? Right? So you see the importance of that. So what other principles can we write down tonight before we leave? Just take a few minutes here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.